Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Here for the Right Reasons, Us Weekly's Bachelor Podcast. I am your host, Sarah Heron, and we are here for another Friday edition of Here for the Right Reasons. We're going to get into a little bit of the back and forth that's going on between Peter Weber and Kelly Flanagan, in case you missed it. And you're also going to hear my recent chat with Jason Tardick, obviously from Becca Kufrin's season of The Bachelorette, Mr. Caitlin Bristow, Caitlin's fiance, and he has a new podcast called Trading Secrets. And we spoke mostly about the podcast, but he teased a little bit about Caitlin, their wedding plans, and what he saw when he visited Caitlin on set of Katie's season of The Bachelorette. And I wanted to play this for you guys because... I asked him a lot about his first episode of his new podcast, Trading Secrets, which he had Dean Unglert on. And I don't know if you saw these headlines, but they revealed a lot of details about their bachelor salary and the contracts. And I thought this was fascinating. And I couldn't remember if I explicitly said it during the interview. So I wanted to tell you now that Jason revealed that the year that Colton was the bachelor, which was right after Becca's season, it was between him, Blake, and Colton to be the bachelor. And because they were all friends, they compared notes for their contracts. And they revealed that they were all offered a hundred grand to be the bachelor which kind of surprised me. I guess it's like a solid amount of money, obviously, for a couple months of your life, but I thought it would be more for one season of television. I mean, it's a very high-rated show. And they got into a lot about how you make most of your money post-show being an influencer, and it's not really about what you could pay to be on the show. Because Dean, who was obviously on Rachel Lindsay's season a year before, he said he was in talks to be The Bachelor. He did the meetings, whatever, which he also said he told them that he wasn't going to propose because he didn't believe in marriage. And they said, "Uh, yeah, you're going to propose, which I thought was interesting since we've obviously seen a lot of bachelors not propose, but they must you know, try to tell them going in, you can't have the attitude that you're not going to. So Dean would have been an interesting bachelor for that reason. But the year before, so this was I believe it's 2018 or 2017, it was between him and um, I think they really wanted Peter Krause, who was Rachel's finalist, to be The Bachelor, and he wasn't interested. Um, and it ended up going to Ari. But Dean revealed that he was offered 75K. So in a year difference, it went from 75 to 100. I don't know if they just started there or if there's like negotiations involved. Obviously, we know Jason is was an, a banker and he's, you know, smart dude. So he knows how to negotiate. But um, I thought that was an interesting little difference between 75 and 100 all within one year. And even more interesting, the Bachelor in Paradise salaries. The contestants on Paradise, according to Dean and Jason, are paid per day. So Dean said when he was first offered Paradise the first time for like season four, I think it was, he was offered $400 a day. 
And he went back and asked for $800 a day because he felt like he was one of the more popular characters coming off of his season, which is true. He said, you know, besides Peter, he felt like he was the one that they would want from Rachel's season to be on the beach. So they he asked for $800 and they came back with $600. And that's what he settled on. And he went to paradise. And then two years or a year went by or two years, however long the difference between his stints were on paradise. And they asked him to come back. And he was like, no, because he, you know, didn't have the greatest greatest run on his first season of paradise and he asked for 20k a day which is insane and they said absolutely not and then he ended up settling for he said something like just 602 dollars a day because he wanted it to be more than last time on principle so it seems like you know i'm sure there are some baby paradise people who accept the 400 dollars offer right away other people negotiate to be higher but it was 600 for dean and i think that's fascinating and jason noted on his contract which he never ended up going to paradise but he did negotiate and decide not to go he was at 600 dollars a day with a five thousand dollar guarantee that if he got sent home he'd still get at least five grand because he could get sent home the first week i thought that was fascinating because what if you tell like your job you quit your job you say you're going to paradise and you get sent home after three days and all you did was make like, I don't know, a thousand dollars or less. That's kind of crazy to me. Um, and I know that's, you know, I guess a lot of money to do nothing and you have a free vacation, but you are risking editing that's going to affect your life. Like what is the risk reward here in paradise? Cause it's not as cut and dry. I mean, even the bachelor, same thing, like, and the contestants don't get paid anything. Um, but you obviously get a lot back with the social media following. And if you want to be an influencer and how to make that work and it's just was fascinating to me. So you'll hear my conversation with Jason, where we talk about why him and Dean opened up about that and so much more. But before I play that, I did want to address this Peter and Kelly drama because in case you haven't noticed, Kelly has done, I think two interviews. She did Caitlin Bristow's podcast a few months ago, and then she just did chicks in the office. And she was kind of talking about these. She's been hinting at these like non-negotiables deal, deal breakers about why her and Peter broke up. And she didn't say anything crazy, but she hinted out that, you know, maybe he parties a little more than she does. She said he liked Pokemon cards and they their hobbies didn't line up and that he wasn't there for her when she was planning, when they were moving and on vacate um, around Christmas time and stuff. So then Peter did a, like a response interview on his show, Bachelors in the City. And he accused Kelly of saying all this stuff to get a headline and trying to get attention. And I will say, I've always thought it was very interesting that Peter is, you know, taking the high road in this whole breakup situation, maybe because he was at fault for the breakup or maybe just because he simply doesn't, you know, he kept emphasizing that he doesn't think it should be discussed publicly. But in Kelly's defense, I mean, she's being asked these questions. She wants to, you know, go on podcasts, do press, like take advantage of the bachelor, you know, whatever, or get her side of the story out because she was painted as like this fifth place person who dated Peter. So I think I don't blame Kelly at all for wanting to talk. And I think it's kind of a low blow for Peter to assume she's doing it just to get attention or for a headline. I think it would be fair for, you know, he's asked those questions all the time. And he does, like I said, take the high road. You've heard him on this podcast, only say nice things about her, um, which is a great thing to do. I'm not saying it's not, but I also don't blame Kelly for wanting to, you know, maybe get her side of the story out there a little bit since she felt like on the show she was misrepresented and wasn't really shown, you know, in her, the way she wanted to be and their their relationship wasn't represented the way she wanted it to be. And now there's all the speculation anyway. So it's like people are talking about it. I understand why she wants people to hear, quote unquote, the truth and her side of the story. He also did a little slight dig and say that, you know, she liked Pokemon cards too. So all you need to know is that this 29 and 30 year old are fighting about Pokemon cards through podcasts. And it made me, you know, 
not happy. You don't want to see people upset, but it, you know, made me laugh a little bit. And Peter, people were saying, said a whole lot of nothing on his show because he didn't really go into why they broke up. Um, but he did clap back a little bit at her with the Pokemon cards and say that she was doing this for headlines and attention. And then that there's so much more to her and he doesn't know why she would want to be known for this. And I think it's just par for the course. I mean, people are going to talk and want to know what's going on in that relationship. And I think it's totally fair for her to want to say her side of the story. Um, there was also all that drama of like why he needed to post at the end of the year when they, she said, said on Chicks in the Office that they went to ABC even though they weren't like an official bachelor couple because they had to um, because of the contracts and like decide when to break up and ABC told them to wait and try to get get lost in the media cycle of Matt James season but Peter wanted to post by the end and end 2020 a certain way and that's why Kelly didn't post until a few days after that and she also he said you know he's reached out to her privately a few times and it rubbed in the wrong way that she always ignores him but she wanted to talk about it on this podcast because and she did admit on Chicks in the Office that she like left him on red and didn't answer him so if you're looking for more details on that, I recommend going to listen to both of their podcast episodes because it was, you know, quite interesting, a little back and forth. It seems like they, you know, he just wasn't ready to settle down and she wanted him to step up and say, do everything he was promising her. Um, and they just weren't meant to be. So it's fine, obviously. Um, I don't see those two getting back together or even really being friends in the future. But it was quite the interesting back and forth. And I hope to talk to Kelly myself one day because I've obviously talked to Peter Um and I also just want to hear, you know, more about her and her, the show and uh, her experience and maybe she'll recap an episode of Katie with me or something because we are so close. You guys We're in the final stretch of Katie's season of the bachelorette premiering June 7th. I can't wait, but for now, here is my interview with Jason. Let's talk about trading secrets because for mine, I listened to the first episode quite literally means trading some financial insight, but also exchanging some secrets. Am I correct there? Yeah. So the idea is, you know, the, the premise of the word like trading secrets is secrets that have to do with uh, like trading from an investment standpoint. And so the idea behind the podcast is to do just that trade secrets about industries and people that otherwise we wouldn't be able to get the inside scoop as it relates to their personal financial management, uh, career navigations, and lessons learned. And the idea is that it's bridging the gap uh, between kind of, you know, what we were taught in school and, and what we really should have been taught and never were as it relates to things that we are dealing with uh, every day. Um, a theme in the first episode is kind of you, you talk about like the secrecy around money and how taboo, taboo it is to talk about that subject as like a society. I feel like we're so open about mental health now and so many other things. Do you think that that's ever going to go away? Is that one of the goals for you to kind of help move forward? That's the, the biggest goal of what we're trying to do with this podcast is to break the stigma that we shouldn't be talking about money. You know, I think we live in a system that forces us to not talk about money because it puts those at the top in a better position. It reduces uh, the leverage we have as individuals if we don't have the information of what other people are making or how much they should be making or how much they're paid or some of the inside scoop of different industries that can allow us to be better consumers, investors, and employees. So the idea is to break that stigma and it's to get really comfortable talking about this because at this point, all we have 
are some websites out there that are taking estimates at you know what we should be paid and how much we should pay for things and the more that we could tell our stories the better we'll be in a position to learn and the better that we'll be able to learn the more comfortable we'll get with addressing not only the good but the bad there's so many people i just did a podcast with Ann, with ann heesh and, and heather that's called better together uh with heather and ann and ann's actually just about to go film a movie with alec baldwin which is kind of cool but in the last podcast we were doing Heather was talking about the fact that she gets her credit card bills and she won't even open the mail. And so those are the things that we have to do. If we have credit card debt, let's open the mail. Let's talk about it. If we're in debt, if we're in tough financial positions, the best way to fixing them isn't to be ashamed or put them away. It's to have those conversations. So on both sides of the coin, it's something that's so important. And our goal is to break that taboo. Yeah, for sure. That's so interesting, Stars. They're just like us. Um, and with you have been talking about finance for a while now, and your your platform obviously is kind of Bachelor Nation-centric, but were people coming to you with common questions that you felt like this was a way to start answering those too? Yeah, so when the pandemic hit, you know, I have 10 years of, of experience in, in corporate banking, and then I went on the reality show The Bachelor and then went back to work for a year, and then ended up leaving the corporate banking world. And I quickly learned that there are so many things I had learned along my journey of finance, personal finance, uh, being on the debt side of the bank that people weren't aware of. It all really hit when the market took a crash in March of 2020. And I simply pulled my audience and asked them, could you explain what the Dow Jones is in a few sentences? Because on every single headline right now, Dow Jones and S&P 500 are out there. And about 250,000 people responded to the survey. 91% of them said that they could not summarize the Dow Jones in three weeks or so. And it hit me right there that there is a huge gap with this, this, this platform that I built all from being on this reality show that if I could break it down and simplify it, maybe it will resonate. And I did a quick video summarizing how an indice like the Dow Jones is similar to what we all experience when we go to the doctor or hospital. They take our vitals and vitals will give us an idea of how our overall body is performing. It doesn't tell us everything, but it tells us like how is your body's performing, your temperature, your blood pressure, your beats per minute, stuff like that. And that's essentially what the Dow Jones is. It's a, you know, 30 big stocks and we could quickly look at it and it gives us an idea of how the whole market's performing. And when I was able to take simple things that we experience on a day to day and apply them to personal finances with this platform that was built from the bachelor, it hit, I created the company restart. And from that, um, I've been able to um, really brand into this personal finance and career uh, management um, branding. And the podcast is just another piece of the puzzle. And I don't know if I've actually announced this anywhere. Um, like, publicly or with any type of um, uh, media company, but I got a, also a, a two book series deal with Harper Collins. Um, and I just submitted my manuscript for the first book. And the first book is all about restarting, resetting and rewiring your career path um, for you to lead the life you imagine as opposed to the, the life that has led you to where you are. Wow, that congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, I love that there is a reality TV element on the podcast, too, because you're talking about like the finances of reality television. And you mentioned you'll have people on from all different kinds of shows and stuff. Is there a, another reality show that you're like dying to know the finances behind the way you and Dean kind of spoke about The Bachelor and how that works? 
Yeah, so we're going to have, this isn't just geared toward, the show is geared towards like every industry. Mm-hmm. And not only are we going to have celebrities and influences and business leaders, but we're going to have uh, our, our everyday individuals. We're going to have people like our common, I guess what we refer to is like the common uh, listener, common consumer come on. And we want to talk about all things, like people that are buried in student debt, people that are dealing with the financial difficulty of a divorce and what they've learned from it. But then we also will have uh, experts and people that are in other industries. But once a month, our goal is to do a reality TV series. And we want to cover every single reality TV show out there to understand kind of the differences. Like, how are these people compensated? How have they been compensated after the show? Did they go back to work? Did they lose their job? The things that were just not, how much did it cost to go on the show? Did it positively or negatively impact them? Like, things like, you know, have you maybe had to seek other expenses such as therapy or things like that? And what has the cost of that been? Mm -hmm. So we want to uncover all that. And so we're going to hit every single show. We have already interviewed someone from Big Brother, from Amazing Race, and from Survivor, and from the MTV The Challenge, and from X's on the Beach. So those interviews are in our queue. And we are going to be seeking interviews with any and every uh, reality TV show out there because reality TV, as everyone knows, has become such a phenomenon. And it's so interesting to see how that experience has changed people's lives for the good, uh, bad and ugly as it relates to professionally and personally. And so once a month, our goal is to have at least one episode centered on that topic. I mean, personally, obviously, the stuff about Bachelor in Paradise being paid per day and the Bachelor set contracts where it was fascinating for me to find out. Do you think that that's, you know, it, it was a surprise you that Dean was so willing to say that you guys compared? I, I just the openness was really cool to me. Yeah, I think in general, it's the conversation Dean and I had are conversations majority of people have over uh, a beer or a dinner. And for some reason, we're not talking about them elsewhere. So it's not that we're afraid to share some of these things. These are things that Dean and I have talked about over and over and over again in the past. But for some reason, maybe we're just not asked or most people don't feel comfortable because of the stigma of talking about money and addressing it. And so I think a lot of people have found it refreshing when you're willing to talk. What I loved about Dean's conversation is there was no sense of like like bragging with it it was just him being open about his finances when things have been good and bad when he got big deals and was paid and also when he was $25,000 in debt leaving his job to take a shot at a show because he just wasn't happy with where his life was at and so um, yeah these are conversations that I think we need to have more of and conversations that um people find interesting and also resonate with the fact that there is this unspoken rule that we're not supposed to talk about this stuff. And the big question is why? Yeah. The second episode, you guys, it dove into a lot of influencer marketing. And that's obviously something I think people are also fascinated with. I mean, within The Bachelor itself, you see certain people go certain ways, take certain deals, and everyone gets a different following. What are, if, you know, someone comes off the show next next week and they come to you, what what do I do as my first way to, like, leverage this following? What do you you say? The the first bit of advice I would tell anyone that, you know, is stay within your lane. Right. I think that you don't want the show 
or these experiences to change you. You wanted to kind of, you were given a platform that can catapult who you are and what you've done and what you bring to the table. But stay within who you are and don't ever lose that. It's mm. good advice. <laughs> um, not that you need it, but obviously Caitlin, podcast queen, been out here doing it for a while. Did she give you any tips? <laughs> um, Caitlin, is, Caitlin is the podcast queen. There's no doubt about that. I think her biggest tip, which I uh, referred to, would be to just like do what is organic to you, right? So doing something, I've been in finance since 16 when my grandfather taught me how he was a dentist. So he was a dentist, a professor, and a dentist actually, and then taught himself how to manage his own money because he had been uh, taken advantage of by a financial advisor. And so for 16, I've been doing that. And her advice was to continue to like stay, like that is you, you've been educated on that, you love it, stay within your passion. And I talk about that on the podcast when I ended up declining the offer from um, the bachelor of the bachelor network or whatever um, for the clickbait podcast. Right. Um, I think it would have, it was a great opportunity with two unbelievable co-hosts and uh, a cool topic, but it just wasn't me. That wasn't aligned with kind of like what, what I want to do or what my brand would do. So yeah, Caitlin is the, the queen of podcasting and she, Caitlin just had her four year anniversary with off the vine and she's had over a hundred million downloads on her wow. podcast, which is just incredible. And I told her, I'm like, it's like you got into Bitcoin when Bitcoin was like a hundred bucks, you are killing it. So teach me your ways, girl. That's amazing. Um, obviously congratulations on your recent engagement. Um, bachelor nation. So excited for you guys. Um, was anything that surprised you about her reaction to the proposal? It was a pretty great, over, uh, amazing reaction from her and cool that you guys were able to get it on camera in an organic way. It has been the best like three weeks, two, three weeks of my life since then. Um, and I think, Caitlin, one of the things I really wanted to do was to surprise her. I know Caitlin loves to be surprised. And so that was one of my true goals, to genuinely surprise her. And her reaction was absolutely perfect. It was the most Caitlin reaction. It was a moment we'll have forever and we'll cherish forever. It was a perfect day start to finish and in uh, one that we'll, we'll, we'll have forever. And I'm so glad that, you know, when you are planning something that is intimate and so meaningful, your biggest fear is that it won't go to plan and everything really worked out so well and I'm, I'm so happy about it and it was it was i think we could we would both say it was the best day of our lives that is amazing um i have to ask have you started wedding planning and as a groom any non-negotiables or something you are down to bear no expense on as the, the finance guy who knows maybe what's worth what's worth blowing money on because wedding industry that's a whole other topic of finances. <laughs> <laughs> the wedding industry is a whole discussion of finance in the whole planning process and the ring buying process, which is something that we'll cover on Trading Secrets because boy, oh boy, there are some trading secrets for that industry. Um, for me, you know, one thing I have said uh, from, from, you know, the day I ever started thinking about my wedding was that I would love a DJ, a live band, 
and uh, in both of them. Like, I, I want a big celebration. I want to enjoy it, and I want to have a good time. And I want to be dancing all night with the Dancing with the Stars champion and have so much fun. Um, as far as the wedding planning goes, at this point, I think conversation planners, and, and that's, that's where, you know, we're, we're starting the process and getting it going. Wow. Um, do you have any, obviously you guys were together for two years, very like normal relationship timeline on like maybe bachelor stuff. Do you have a wedding timeline of when you'd want to be in, how long you want to be engaged or get married or are you just kind of going with the flow? Yeah, I think at this point we, we're just taking it. St- it there's been so many, the big issue with weddings is there's been so many um, um, issues with, with actually, from what I've heard from friends and family is getting the right venue at the right time because so many weddings have obviously been delayed from COVID. So our first step is, Kaylin and I keep saying baby steps. Let's take one step at a time. And, and, the, and the first step is going to be, we'll get our wedding planner after the wedding planner. We'll have to lock in a venue and a location and then a um and then a, a time but we we just we have to wait to see you know what the wedding planner suggests and going through that process now um obviously something else exciting coming up the bachelorette before i let you go i have to ask you what has Kay- caitlin told you anything what can you can you tease me anything about katie's journey <laughs> you know here's what i can say is that i got to go to new mexico for a period of time and I had the pleasure of seeing Caitlin and Tasha's dynamic all behind the scenes when we would grab, you know, lunch or a drink or anything like that. And their chemistry is absolutely fire. Like they have such good chemistry together. I think they balance each other so well. They're both, you walk into a room with those two, even if it's just like a lunchroom behind the scenes and the energy is just electric so i have a feeling that they're gonna bring such a cool component to this show um, that no one has seen before that is my guess i'm looking forward to seeing how it all turns out but the caitlin tasha chemistry and the energy and dynamic is something like i've never seen before and that was just behind the scenes when they were having like fun in the hotel room or the area we could eat stuff like that so i can't even imagine what it was like um for the for the good energy while it was filming but i'm excited to watch it back uh i'm excited to watch it too i think the dynamic of having women helping other women is a something they probably should have thought of a long time ago so i'm very excited and katie kind of reminds me of caitlin a little bit just from a viewer point of view so i think it'll be good (laughs) yeah absolutely Well, thank you, Jason, for taking time out of your busy schedule for talking to me about the podcast and congratulations again on all of your success and the engagement and everything. I really, really appreciate your time as always. And I'm sure we'll definitely hopefully have the opportunity to speak again soon. Thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode of Here for the Right Reasons. Don't forget to leave us five stars and come back every Tuesday and Friday for more Bachelor breakdowns, interviews, and all things Bachelor Nation. 